Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's magnificent because we get a chance to play on the football game. Uh, the one Saturday didn't go the way we wanted. We're going to talk very honestly about that game today. It's probably best, probably best that I didn't record a show yesterday. Wasn't real happy. I'm not happy today, but after a good night's rest, perhaps maybe I can be a little more objective. But, uh, yeah, I guess living down there as long as I did, it makes losing to those guys sting a little bit more. And as I said earlier on the Bo Bound show, it's one of those things I think about, too, that, um, you know, you don't get that LSU team that often. You don't get that LSU team that was kind of, it's kind of searching for an identity. You don't get a chance to go to Tiger Stadium and win very often, and we blew it. That's the difference between having a good year and a great year a lot of times. A chance to go on the road and get a huge SEC win. And listen, this is not a great LSU team by any stretch. I'm not trying to suggest that. But this is an LSU team that has talent. They always will. They're never going to trot trash out on that field. Not LSU. They're a top 10 recruiter. That's never going to happen. But they're a little bit disjointed right now. They're kind of in search of themselves. And we had it. We had the game. And we're going to break all that down today. Uh, but I'm disappointed. Like all of you, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to sit here and tell you everything's going to be okay. But the reality of it is I do expect us to still have a really good season. My hope is we learn from this and get better from it. We're not going to face a lot of defensive fronts as good as that one. Ojalari is a monster. 
an absolute monster. He is the kind of guy that left tackles wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat dreaming about. But the reality of it is we should have won a game. We should have won a game. Simple as that. We, went, we did not execute. And I've read extensively the hot takes on social media. Most of them just rooted in emotion, not really in fact. Like, oh, Steve, the air raid's not going to work. Schematically, we had issues. Listen, here's the deal. Scheme gets guys open, right? Scheme gets them open. They got to catch a football. They got to catch a football. And we didn't. And we haven't really had an issue with drops this year. We had a couple against uh, Arizona. We had none against Memphis. Had a couple against Arizona. We had, what, a half dozen Saturday, and every one of them was crucial. I think three of them came on third down. It would have moved the chains. We've got to be better. And I thought Leach was very accountable in the postgame. Not that any of that matters, right? I mean, I read that all the time. People are like, well, I wish they'd be more accountable in the postgame. I, I don't really care what people say. I care more about what they do. Because a lot of people can go win a press conference and then lose the ball game. I'd rather lose the press conference and win the ball game. Oh, well, Joe Moorhead said this and Joe Moorhead said that, and Joe was really good about getting up there and, you know, hey, we're going to point the thumb and not the finger, and then we would never, like, do anything different. Things never changed. So it, it doesn't matter what people say, but I thought Leach, you know, he said, hey, I thought I had some bad play calls. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of that stuff today too. Um, it's one of the things that I read too, and again, I, I feel like I'm just casting, you know, shots at, at our people here. And I don't mean to be that way, but, you know, some of the people that have the strongest opinions uh, have the, the, the fewest amount of facts. People are like, well, I didn't like our play calling. Uh, okay, well, what, what play was called? I'll wait. What play was called? Oh, you don't know. Not me either. I don't know either. I get to be around the team. I get to go to practice. I get to go to post game. I don't know. I don't know what play was called. I also don't know if the play from the bench is what we ran. We may have called the play, and Will may have saw a different look, and Will may have changed the play. And then all of a sudden, Q may see something, of course, in the defensive front. He may change the protection. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what we call. There's so much of that. We get so caught up in that. And it's usually people that haven't played football. And I, I didn't play extensively, but I played. It's not about a play call. It's never about a play call. It's about how do we get the ball in the hands of a guy that can make a play for us. That's what play calling is at its core. Who can make a play for us and how do we get the ball into that person's hands in a situation they, they can be successful? You, know, you can call the best plays in the world. I don't care how great a play caller you are. If the guys can't go out there and execute, it's on them. And we had a lack of execution. You know, Leach called it a lack of consistency. We did not execute when the game was on the line. We didn't. And then I thought we had, I thought we pouted a little bit there in the fourth quarter. Thought we did. It's like, oh, you know. Listen, LSU is never, ever, 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 ever going to quit. I'm going to turn that down because I've got a few people out there responding to some uh, stuff I've got on social media. So um, they're never going to quit. And that crowd is not going to let them quit. And I, I'll tell you, by LSU standards, it was a pretty subdued crowd. 
Even in pregame, all the LSU people I spoke to expected us to win the game. I didn't get a single tiger bait the whole time walking around. Now, granted, you know, I got dreadlocks down in my waist and I'm sleeved up, you know, so maybe they maybe they think a little more carefully about yelling tiger bait at me. Maybe you experienced it. But I thought by LSU standards, it really wasn't a raucous crowd. The second half, that changed because we allowed them to get in the ballgame. It's about us. And listen, and again, give LSU some credit. They made plays. They did. And we wore down in the fourth quarter. So really, let's break all that down. But first, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Longtime sponsors of this show. I, I never lose when I go to Bulldog Burger Company. It's a win every time. Great food at a great price, a great atmosphere. And I've shared with you guys before, one of the, the biggest irritations in dining right now is when I go somewhere and there's a hidden charge on my receipt. I'm like, what is this? Oh, it's a convenience charge. Well, how, how am I inconvenienced any less now than before? Oh, well, you know, we're just charging that. We don't want to raise our prices, so we're just charging a fee. What's well, the same thing? There's integrity in pricing at Bulldog Burger Company. I love that about them. A lot of people are giving you less and charging you more. That's just not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve your university drive and start Vegas. That new patio area when you're in town this weekend, go enjoy that. Lake Harbor Drive in the Roots and Flowood area, and, of course, Gloucester Street over there in Tupelo. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and they love me right back. They will love you, too, because in their minds, you know, you're there to enjoy a great meal. They're going to deliver. Very consistent in what they do. Have that great restaurant-quality burger. If you're looking to eat a little bit fresher, right, you, you want the, the, uh, the BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. Either way, it's fantastic. I never finish it. The portions are outstanding. Bulldog Burger Company. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into this ballgame. As painful as it is, we're going to talk about what went right, what went wrong. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good things are if you don't win. So we didn't win the toss. LSU wins the toss. They like to go on offense first. I thought that was a, I thought that was a good thing for us. I like having the ball first out of the break. And I thought, too, as well as we played defensively, I thought, you know what, this gives us a chance perhaps to get a stop and get good field position early in what I expected to be potentially a low-scoring game and a very close game. They like to go out on, for, on offense first. Goodwin runs off left side for two yards. They hit Keishon Butte for an 18-yard gain. I think that was a corner route, if I remember correctly. He beats Forbes there. But Butte, a pretty quiet game. Then there's a false start on Charles Turner, which makes it first and 15 from the LSU 40. We get to, to Jalen uh, Daniels a little bit here. He gets loose, scrambles for 13 yards, brings up a very manageable second and two. Then Goodwin rushes up the middle for three. Another pre-snap penalty. And right here I'm thinking maybe LSU isn't ready to go. You know our defensive front's going to give them some trouble, and they did. First and 15 now from the State 49. It's incomplete to Butte. And there was some very erratic throws from Daniels. I, I, we, we rattled him as a passer, but he beat us as a runner. They end up having to burn a timeout on third and 15 here, and then it's incomplete again. Incomplete, Jack Bash. Fourth and 15, they punt a 36-yard punt. State gets it to 13. State puts together a very, very impressive drive here. We swing it out to DJ for a yard, then we go back to ducking for five, brings up a manageable third and four. And then Dylan rushes for three. And right here, I thought Mike Leach was challenging his team and letting them know, you know what, we are here to win. We are not here to play it safe. We are here to win the ball game. Fourth and one 
from our 22, we elect to go for it. And DJ gets four yards. I thought it was a big early statement in the ballgame. We made some statements later that, 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 didn't, that weren't as pronounced as this one. But I thought, hey, you know what? Good on Leach. And if we hadn't made it, I wouldn't feel that way. Now it's first and ten at the state uh, 26, and then we, we, we swing it out to Rufus, who gets four. Dylan Johnson then runs off the right side for seven to give us a first down, first and ten at the state 37. Then there's an offsides on Jacoby and Guillory, which gives us a manageable first and five. We give it to Woody, his first carry of the game. He gets one. Then we hit Rara Thomas on a beautiful, beautiful throw. Rara is our best receiver right now. Had a couple big drops in this game, but he is our best receiver. We need him to play as our best receiver. So now it's first and 10 at the LSU 37, and then you get the longest run from scrimmage of the Mike Leach era at Mississippi State. We run off left side. Woody Marks goes untouched, 37 yards into the end zone, and then we miss the extra point. And I tell you this, like all of you, I am sick and tired of this. And you know Mike Leach is as well. And it's difficult for me, like – I can't blame Mike Leach for this. I know some of you want to blame Mike Leach for everything. Okay, I, I get it. Mike Leach changed his staff last year, completely reshuffled the staff, put Eric Mealy in as a special teams coordinator. We completely gut the room, bring in Archer Trafford's the only guy back, really. And so we go out and get George. We go get Ben. We go get Massimo. It's like we go out and commit, you know, all these roster spots and scholarships. We completely, completely overhaul special teams. In back-to-back weeks, then we've missed extra points. Now, the week before, Ben Rabin was perfect. And we tried him out there and we missed him. And, and this moment here, I was thinking, well, here we go. Here we, here we go. Like all of you, here we go again. This crap again. Rabin and kicks it off. They return 18 yards out to the 20. And, again, defense comes up big here. They run John Amory off the left side for one. Nice play there by Nathan Pickering. Daniels in complete to Brian Thomas for seven. Brings up a third and two. They decide they're going to, you know, we're going to exert ourselves here. We're going to run right at you. Bookie Watson fits a gap there. John Amory just gets the one, brings up fourth and one. They're going to go. And there's another pre-snap penalty. And at this point, you're thinking, you know what, we're ready to play. LSU not ready to play. I mean, two series in, and they've got three pre-snap penalties on an offensive line. It's kind of, uh, you know, been reshuffled. 46-yard punt, and then Xavier Thomas, the freshman from Metro New Orleans. 22-yard return across midfield to the 49-yard line. And so at this point, I'm thinking, you know what? Hey, we're fixing to go cash this bad boy in. We'll at least get the field goal here. And we're going to be up two scores in Tiger Stadium in the first quarter. That's not what happened, though. We're complete to Rufus. And uh, give Jay Ward some credit from LSU. He beats the block and sticks Rufus for no gain here. Makes it second 10. And then Ojolari just overwhelms us there. Sack for nine yards. Makes it third and 19. We hit Rufus for 18, though. And Rufus paid for it, too. That's a tough kid. He's from Starkville, so he kind of goes without saying. 18-yard, great throw, great catch, right across the face of the safety. Major Burns with a big lick there, and Rufus hangs on. Brings up a fourth and one at the LSU 40. We elect to go. This was absolutely the right call. You're kind of in no man's land there, not to mention you just had some success. 
But instead, we get overwhelmed here. We decide to run DJ back up the middle. They blow it up for a one-yard loss. Kind of gets the crowd into it. But again, you know, what's in that gain here, even if you get a touchback on the punt? 20 yards? I, I think, again, absolutely the right call. Absolutely the right call. Maybe not the right play call, but absolutely the right call to go for it. Because if you get it there, and again, you know, football is such an emotional game. You go for it on back-to-back fourth downs and you get it. All of a sudden, it gives your offensive line a lot of confidence. And it weakens the confidence of that defensive front. But they blew it up. Got some emotion. However, your defense rose to the occasion again. LSU would have three and out here. Armani Goodwin rushes to up the middle, and we, we stack it up there for nothing. They drop back the pass. We flush him and ultimately get a sack there. Nathan Pickering grabs a foot, gets him for a four-yard loss. Now it's third and 14, and that's, that's the game plan right there is keep Daniels behind the chains, make it an obvious passing down. And what happens? We drop in the cloud coverage here. There's nothing there. He has to tuck it and go, and then we just got to go make a tackle. We're in cloud coverage, right? Everything's in front of us, and sure enough, he runs for eight. We make a tackle. They punt. 55-yard punt for a touchback here. And, again, defense up, up for the challenge. We take over with a minute and two to go in the first quarter. We swing it out to Jameer Calvin for nine yards, brings up a second and one. Then we're incomplete. Wingo nearly gets back there. They, they give him a, a hurry there. Third and one, incomplete, short left to, uh, to Tulu, or complete, and we don't get the first down. Yeah, third and one, we go to Griffin here, and then we don't get it. And just one of those things that happens, right? At the end's out the quarter, we have some time to think about it, right? We have the lead. We're at our 29. We said, you know what? We're going. We're going. And we run marks up the middle, and they blow it up again. I didn't like the play call, but I kind of understand it. It's easy to say that when you don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's the gift of hindsight tells me, hey, it's a bad play call. You know, we ran out the middle the first time, too, for four yards. You know, the only reason it's a bad play call is it didn't work. So we tempt fate here with the football guides, and somehow we're rewarded. Jaden Daniels then uh, swings it out to Josh Williams. Great job by Boogie Watson here, too. And I know that he made a big mistake later in the ballgame. Boogie played really well early on. We flush Daniels again. He fumbles the football, and then Ty Wheat, the Louisiana native, jumps on it. So we've dodged a bullet here. People are like, oh, why did we go for it? Yeah, it didn't cost us. It didn't cost us. All right, so State takes over again. Again, a chance for us to put a drive together here. Complete to Rara for 10, out to the MSU 39. And we go right back to Calvin on uh, for 6. Brings up a manageable second and four. And then Will Rogers tucks it and runs right at the middle across midfield for the first down. In plus territory again. First and 10 from the LSU 49. We're incomplete to Rara. And then incomplete to, to Rufus and Ojolari getting after us a little bit there. And finally, finally get to us. Third and 10, Will Rogers is sacked. We fumble it. Nick Jones picks it up and tries to advance it. And great effort by Nick there. Nick is a guy, too, that never gets any credit. Nobody ever, we never interview Nick. Nobody ever talks about Nick. But you rarely ever see Nick getting blown up at the line of scrimmage. And that's a guy, too, that's kind of an unheralded hero on this team right now. A guy that won the job and has done a good job. I mean, again, not the most picturesque offensive lineman. He's a shorter guy with really long arms. Archer Trafford did a nice punt here, 48 yards down to the LSU three. And Marcus Banks, 
absolutely blows this up. I read some comments too. Some people are like, "Why didn't we just? Why didn't we change the formation and put Banks on the field? Let him spy Daniels?" I, you know, I don't know. I can't argue against that. Every time I see Marcus Banks, he's making a play. All right, so LSU gets the ball backed up in their own end zone here. Goodwin then rushes for five, and then it's incomplete. Nice play by Buki here to cut in front of the route. Brings up a third and five. Daniels again drops back. There's nothing there. He tries to manage to get something out of it, and it's another three and out. Your Bulldog defense playing outstanding football here, not letting Daniels beat him. Because that's the thing what happens. is like, okay, it's a, it's a third and five. Well, we've got everybody in coverage. We make him throw it underneath to make him run it. We're going to make a tackle. And I thought our tackle was pretty good uh, throughout the ball game, especially here in the beginning. Fourth quarter, things wore down a little bit. But um, all right, so it's another punt. And then it's a fair catch by Xavier Thomas at 41. Good decision. We took over again and a chance again, a chance for us to kind of take control here in the second quarter. We go to Woody for three. We come back and swing it out to ducking for six. That gets the ball to midfield. Third and one. And here we go, run up the middle again, and we get it. Marks goes for three yards and moves the chains. First and ten now across midfield. Simeon Price rushes left for a three-yard loss. There was nothing there either. They, they just – somebody missed a block. LSU made a play. We got nothing from it. Second and 13, and Will Rogers is sacked. Harold Perkins Jr. gets back there. Makes it third and 23. And then we basically – just kind of throw it out there. They call this a rush, but I think it's a forward pass. It was kind of Will was under duress here, and we just find a way to get it out of his hands, and we get nothing from it. Then George with a 50-yard punt to the LSU 11. And so we talk so much about special teams, but you look at what we've done in our punting game so far in this ball game, you're like, hey, pretty good effort by these guys, right? We're keeping those guys back down. We're winning the battle of field position. All right, so they take over at their 11. John Emery runs for three. Jaden Thomas is complete to Emery Jones for 10 yards, which moves the chains. First first down for LSU in a while. First and 10 from the LSU 24, they give it to Emery, who gets a one-yard gain. Again, we're winning on first down here. We're winning on first down, which, of course, gives us the ability to keep them behind the chains or keep them in third and long. All right, second and nine, they're complete to, um, to Butte for two. And, again, we're not letting the guy get off. And then Jaden Daniels drops back the pass, and we get a sack. Brings up fourth to nine. They punt. Xavion Thomas then returns it 26 yards across midfield again to the LSU 48. We squandered the first opportunity. You had to cash in here. We do. Dylan Johnson runs off right side for 35 yards. And this, like, so this was a good in-game adjustment by Mississippi State here. They were overloading the left. It took us a series or two to kind of figure this thing out. Dollar Bill kind of recognizes that and motions back to Will. We make, a, we make an, an audible at the line. They've overloaded the left, so we toss it right. DJ breaks a tackle, and it's 35 yards down to the LSU 13. So the two longest runs in Mike Leach tenure here at Mississippi State happened in this ballgame. A 37-yard touchdown from Woody and 35 from DJ. Then we're incomplete across the middle of ducking. And then we find Ra Thomas on an incredible, incredible catch and throw. 13 yards for the touchdown. And at this point, I thought we're okay. We're okay. We got to get into the half, though, with a 13-0 lead. That's what I'm thinking. Let's just find a way to get into the half without them scoring. Well, it didn't happen for us. We get the touchbacks. They're pinned back deep. And this is where I thought Jaden Daniels, you know, maybe it's a two-minute drill. 
You know, right? And so you just kind of do what you can to move the chains. Daniel swings it out to Josh Williams for eight. And then Daniels runs for 13 to the LSU 46. Goes back to Josh Williams for three. And then Daniels runs. Again, we're dropping in the coverage, and he's taking advantage here. 15 yards. Then he's complete to Malik Neighbors. Finally see his name on the, uh, on the box score. And then that's down to 28. Now we're thinking, let's just hold for a field goal and keep it a two-score game. Daniels then runs for 20 yards down to the MSU 8. Then he hits Jeray Jenkins probably two yards short of the end zone, and Jeray Jenkins toughs his way in. Great effort by Jeray Jenkins. I, I told you guys last week, he's a guy that always concerns me. They're, like, Boutte and those guys get all, all the credit. Jeray Jenkins is a dude. I don't know that he gets enough respect at LSU. The extra point is good. Now it's 13-7, and you still feel like, okay, well, if we go out of here and score on our first drive of the second half, makes a big difference. But this allowed LSU back in the ballgame. This had that crowd all of a sudden thinking, okay, we're one play away. We get the ball at 46 seconds, and we hit Caleb Ducking for 16 out to MSU 41. You're thinking, hey, let's make, a, let's make a chance, make a run at this thing. Allie Gay is in offsides. Allie Gay, kind of a quiet night for him in many respects. I know he had a few tackles, but um, – Ojolari was the one that really, really ate us up. So now it's uh, first and five from the MSU 46. We give it to Woody, who gets three. We end up calling timeout, second and two, near midfield with 35 seconds. We uh, incomplete then the Caleb Ducking in our face there, and then incomplete to Rufus, and then we punt down to the LSU 11 again. We're consistently punting those guys inside their own 20, and then they, they take a knee. Uh, to end the half there, 13-7. And, again, it just felt like, even though we had the lead, it felt like a half of missed opportunities. That's how it felt to me. And give LSU some credit. They changed up their, their pass rush, and they, they caused some problems. They confused us a little bit. They got our, their hands on the quarterback some. But I don't know that we did enough to kind of counter that. And, listen, at some point, it doesn't matter how much you want it, sometimes people are just better. And, and they won some individual matchups with that defensive front against our offensive line. But at the half here, thinking like, okay, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. We need to go out and take control here in the third quarter. And State's been very good uh, in the third quarter, that first drive of the second half, through two games. Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There have been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. It's been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering Quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster 
than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. All right, let's get to the second half here. Again, State receives the ball here. Touchback to open open the, the series. We don't score. First time this year we didn't score on the first drive out of the half. We came out, we find Jaden Wiley for 11. Then we're incomplete to Caleb Ducking. Then we're complete to DJ for eight. Brings up a manageable third and two. And then we're incomplete to Rara. I believe this was a drop, if I remember correctly. And then Archer Trafford, 43-yard punt to the LSU 13. So, again, we're consistently making these guys drive the length of the field. And so there's so much discussion about special teams. Sometimes, you know, we focus on the negatives, but our, our punting game has been good. Our kickoff game has been good. All right, so LSU starts at the, their 13-yard line. It's complete to our money, good one for 14. Basically, just a little swing route out there. Kind of make it a, um, you know, kind of a two-man game out there. They swing it out there. They get the block on the perimeter. He breaks it for 14. They go back to Goodwin on a three-yard run. Brings up second and seven, and Daniels hits Malik Neighbors for 17. Later in this ball game, Malik Neighbors was everywhere on third down. Absolutely killed us. In addition to this play, there is a face mask, which now moves it around to uh, makes it first and 10 at our 38. Daniels then runs for nine, not a designed quarterback run. Again, we're kind of flushing them. They hit Butte for 11 inside the Bulldog 20, and then you know, State kind of stiffened here. I thought Zach did a good job kind of getting it in his face, forcing him to get rid of the ball earlier. It's incomplete to Mason Taylor. I believe that was a drop. I know the second one was a drop. Second 10 to go back to Mason Taylor, Jason Taylor's son. And, um, Kind of a difficult catch, but he should have made it. And then there was nothing there on third and ten. They throw it in the direction of Keishon Butte. There was nothing there. It was a very wild and erratic throw. The field goal is good, and you feel like, okay, we, we've survived that. But now you look at it, LSU has scored now back-to-back possessions. Because I'm not counting that one you know, that run out the half. And so you begin to wonder, okay, defensively, what, what, how do we counter this? All right, well, State – Answers to field goal, we, put, we get the ball with 6.31 to go in the third quarter, and it seemed like the second half was going quickly. Um, excuse me, that was with 10.50. We ended the drive at 6.30. So we, uh, we run off right side to Woody for two. We're incomplete to Rufus, and then we hit Rara for 24 yards over Greg Brooks. Great play there. Rara has such good body control, you just kind of got to throw it out in his direction. As long as you keep the ball outside – you're in good shape. You leave it inside, you're not. All right, we're incomplete to Rufus, and uh, again, he paid for this one. Incomplete to Rara Thomas. They, and again, they go back and look at it. It was absolutely the right call. I don't know that Rara ran out of bounds on his own. We didn't get to see that part of it. Maybe you guys did at home, but he was out of bounds. In the end, it didn't matter. We hit it to Tulu for 14. Gives us first down out of the LSU 22. First and 10, we rush off right side for one yard from DJ. Go back to the left side with Woody. Now it's third and nine at the LSU 21. And we get sacked. Ojalari again. Crazy. 
So Ben Raven trots out there, kicks a field goal, 45 yards. It's good. Now it's 16-10. Now they got to get a touchdown, right? And so you're thinking, okay, we get a stop here. We get a stop here, then we have a chance to really take control of this game. Anything on the next possession, like anything makes it a two-score game, right? And again, your defense kind of hanging in here. So LSU takes over at their 25. They're complete to John Emery for five. And then they hit Brian Thomas for 15. And Brian Thomas is kind of a quiet game. Incomplete to Mason Taylor again. And then we get to him. We sack Jaden Daniels for six. Buki Watson there. And, and a very emotional play in the ball game because you know, LSU fans are thinking we're one play away from taking the lead. And then you could hear kind of the wind come out of the LSU fans' sails a little bit as Buki took Daniels to the ground. Great play call there. We got our guy free. He comes clean to the quarterback. Third and 16, again, great defense here because it's third and long, we can play cloud. So what do we do? We get to the sticks and then make them throw it underneath, then we go up there and make a tackle. That's exactly what happened. He has to kind of – the deep throw in there, so he has to go to Mason Taylor. We run up and make the tackle, brings it fourth and five. They decide to go for it from midfield. And this is a moment I thought, you know what, they're fixing to give us the game here. They'd had the momentum. We answered, and all of a sudden, they're going for it on fourth and five. They go to Malik Neighbors. It's incomplete. Now we take over at midfield. And now I'm thinking anything here might win the game. The way our defense is playing, if we get anything here, you got a chance to win the ball game. Well, we ended up getting eight yards on the drive. Dylan Johnson runs off right side for three. Then we're incomplete to Rufus, and then – we're complete to Jaden Wally for five. We ran, it seemed like I remember we ran the route short of the sticks. But anyway, it brings up fourth and two. We call timeout to talk about it. And you and you almost think here, okay, would it be would it have been better to punt considering you have a lead? You know, I believe in playing to win. Sometimes the weighted state is punted to football, but you begin to think, yeah, let's make Jaden Daniels drive the length of the field. Do you trust that guy to make the many decisions? But you're going to give him a short field here. We go for it, and it we don't get it, but it doesn't. It, I thought Jay Ward got there early. I don't know that uh, the play really had much of a chance of being completed, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we needed the flag there to bail us out there. I, I, I just thought I thought Will rushed to throw a little bit. He had to. But uh, we didn't convert here. And, again, it didn't cost us. You feel like it should, but it didn't. What cost us was some poor special teams play next. All right, LSU takes over at uh, their 42. It's complete to Dre, brings it to our 46. Then uh, Daniels rushes for a two-yard loss. Jed Johnson with a nice play there. I mean, we're tit for tat on this whole deal with Jaden Daniels. He got us late, but uh, I thought defensively we did a pretty good job. Jaden Daniels and incomplete to Mason Taylor. It seemed like they were, it was a point of emphasis to get the tight end involved. They simply couldn't do it. They call timeout on third and 12. Then it's complete again. Same situation. We're in cloud coverage. Make them throw it underneath. They throw it to, to, uh, to Jare. He gets just three yards. Bookie Watson, Colin Duncan. All right, fourth and nine. And now you're thinking, okay, we've survived that. Let's just go get the ball back. It's a punt, and Austin Williams muffs the punt. And at this point, I think we all knew how this thing was going to end. We've had every opportunity to put these guys away. Now we've let them back in the ballgame. Now, 
I'm not going to sit here and bash Austin Williams. That guy has been a tremendous player for Mississippi State. He has given everything he has for Mississippi State, and he will tell you this should not have happened. A lot of people say, oh, there should have been interference there, whatever. I don't know. Here's what I do know is when I've got a six-year senior out there who is in there basically is the safety valve. I mean, that's the reason you didn't have Xavier Thomas. You don't want to put the freshman out there in that situation, Right. Because if that if Xavier Thomas fumbles this, everybody they'd they'd have met the plane with pitchforks, right? But you put Austin Williams out there to make this catch. Doesn't have to give me a return. But there's there's three things you can do here, right? You can fair catch it, you can let it go, or you can do what he did. And he fumbled it. And again, it's not like anybody wants to do it on purpose. But this was a huge play in the ball game. Austin Williams has to make that play. He simply has to make that play. And when it happened, I felt the soul leave my body because I knew, I knew how this was going to end up. It may have ended up this way anyway, but this was the, this was the turning point in the ballgame. All right, so LSU takes over, and immediately it's a false start. And then I'm thinking, okay, we're, we got him behind the chains. Maybe we can hold for a field goal here. Russell, excuse me, Goodwin then goes for four yards to run out the quarter. It's 16-10, 16-10, and LSU has the ball. You know, still kind of, you know, second and second and 10 here. I'm thinking, you know what, let's just find a way to make a play here. Even though I felt it was probably four-down territory, you know, you, you, if you're Brian Kelly, you're thinking, you know what, you're this close. Maybe you swing for it, I don't know. Daniels then goes for seven down to the MSU three. And then Daniels runs back up the middle. We, we actually had a chance to get him down. We didn't give him credit for getting to the end zone. The extra point is good. And then they flag Colin Duncan 15 yards, which, again, was of no consequence. But now at 17-16 LSU, I, I said on Bo Bouncer earlier today, it didn't matter. At this point, it was just what the final score was going to be. The game was over. They had all the momentum. The crowd's back in the ball game. And I thought, again, we have ha- asked so much of our defense here. They have got to get more support from the offense, right? I mean, before they can even go over there and get a, you know, get a glass of Gatorade, they got to get back on the field. We didn't do a good job offensively. We didn't do a good job managing the game in the second half at all. And, again, we had opportunities in the first half. But offensively, and, and give LSU some credit too, but there's some things we could have done differently. All right, first and ten, we're, we swing it out to Woody. Great job by Greg Brooks. I give him credit. And uh, Marks has to come out. He's okay. Comes back in. Then we're complete to DJ for six. Brings it out to the 31. Makes a manageable third and four. And then it's, uh, you know, we go to Caleb Ducky and they break it up. And at this point, I think we all realized that we were in trouble. Uh, George with the 45-yard punt. Greg Clayton returns at three yards out to the LSU 27. Then there's a holding call. LSU now backed up for their own 15. So, again, LSU's average starting field position, not good. Not good, especially when we punt, right? It seemed like the only time they didn't have great field position, then when they had good field positions, when we went for it, and then they still couldn't score. It's crazy how life works sometimes. So, LSU ball at their own 15. And at this point, I think we all felt like, you know what? If we can just make a play, somebody can step in front of something, maybe we got a chance here, maybe we win it with a field goal. LSU removed all doubt. And, and, again, our defense has played so well for three quarters, and they just simply ran, run down here. 
and uh, LSU really took over and exerted themselves at the line of scrimmage here in the fourth quarter. John Emery runs for four, incomplete to Butte, and then they're complete to Neighbors. Um, again, down the stretch, Neighbors was the go-to guy, former Mississippi State commitment, Malik Neighbors. Third and six, they find him for ten. We put ourselves in a situation again to get off the field. It's incomplete to Mason Taylor, almost like they were forcing it. John Emery then runs for nine, brings up third and one. What do they do? They find Malik Neighbors again for 10 yards. He beats Jackie Matthews here for the first down. First and 10 from the LSU 48. Daniels runs for six. Jet with a tackle there. Second and four. Emory goes for one. Makes it third and three. And again, chance for State to get off the field. What do they do? They find Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors, four yards, and beats Jackie Matthews. And, and they, Jackie's a dog. First and 10 from the R41. Daniels in the incomplete to Kayshawn Butte. Then incomplete to uh, Kyron Lacey. Both of those throws had no chance of being completed. Third and 10, we go after him again. He gets it to Josh Williams. Again, we make a great tackle here. And now it's fourth and three. And I thought this is a good use of the timeout. Let's settle the defense because we got a chance here to get off the field. On fourth and three, they go for it. And it's complete again to Malik Neighbors. And this time he beats Colin Duncan. And how they were able to continue to match up their second-best receiver on a Bulldog safety is probably something we got to figure out. Because other people are going to see that, right? Now, Malik Neighbors is very talented, don't get me wrong. But that's four possession plays on this drive. They went to Malik Neighbors. And maybe everybody expects him to be in single coverage because of Butte. All right, first and seven. They give it to Josh Williams. He busts through for a touchdown. Still a one-score game. We have to score and go for two. It's a kickoff. Tulu gets loose. We talked about that he might. He returns at 88 yards to the LSU 12. And it's called back on Bookie Watson's hold that had nothing to do with the play. Now, some could argue why throw the flag. Well, it was a penalty. Bookie doesn't have to hold there. That's the frustrating part of this. And, again, now all of a sudden when this happens, you kind of remove any suspense from the game because you think, okay, at the very least – you ought to be able to get a field goal and make it, you know, bring yourself less than a touchdown. But, you know, chances are if you score a touchdown, you're going to go for two here, try to tie the ball game. We, we remove all mystery with this holding call. And he did hold. There's no doubt about it. He did. But it was completely unnecessary. And that's one of your leaders. He can't, you, you can't have that. All right, so we go out there. We're incomplete to Rara, incomplete to Price, and then incomplete to Dylan Johnson. Ojalari again, kind of setting up camp in the backfield. The as the kids say, the Tigers were eating at this point. Archer Trafford then a 42-yard punt to the LSU 41. One of the only times we didn't pin them back deep, but because we had to punt from deep. And then you know LSU removes all doubt here. LSU takes over at the 41 with 6:18 to go. It's incomplete to Jeray Jackie Matthews with a hand in there to break it up. John Emery then runs for two, brings up third and eight. Jaden Daniels, again, we flush him. He gets loose, runs for the first down. First and 10 from our 47. They give it to Armani Goodwin, and he goes 47 yards for a touchdown. We, we, we don't fit a gap there, and it's over. And, again, we had played the run really well most of the game. Defense just, just wore down. You got, I mean, you got to have some help. You got to have some help. I can't pin this one on the defense. Right? When we give the defense a short end of the field after a muff punt, I mean, these guys played their – I'm not, I almost said the wrong thing there. 
these guys played their tails off for three quarters, and then we gift them the short end of the field on the muff punt. And then our, our offense just completely discombobulated the rest of the way. This one's not on the defense. And, again, I don't think they'll see a quarterback this athletic the rest of the year. Jaden Daniels did exactly what we expected him to do. We, we kind of held him down for a while. But, uh, again, at some point, talent wins out. All right, so extra points good. It's 31-16. State gets the ball back with 450. We're complete to Tulu for 18 and a first down. We're complete to Dillon for four, brings up second and six. We're complete to DJ again for 10. Now it's first and 10 at the LSU 33. We find Ducking for six, and then we throw the pick. And and here's a, that, that chance. There was no chance of this ball being completed. I don't know if it was miscommunication between Tulu and Will, but the ball was well behind Tulu and thrown right to Jay Ward. And so we turn it over there. Again, you know, we, we got a drive going here. It's, it's going to be too little too late. But self-inflicted wound here. It doesn't matter as much because the game's decided, right? I mean, it, like if that, that was a game time thing, you'd remember this forever. LSU takes over with 3.02, and they basically run out the clock here. Goodwin runs for nine. Goodwin runs for three. Emory runs for four. Emory runs for three. Emory runs for three. And that's it. Ball game's over. Not good. Not good. And, you know, it's like beginning of the year when the schedule came out, we all said, hey, that's a loss. And then after we saw LSU play Florida State, we're thinking, hey, you know what, maybe we can get these guys. And the truth of the matter is we should have gotten these guys. We should have. Now, listen, I'm not going to excuse the talent. I think those those guys at LSU are really good. They're really, really good. Are they a great team yet? No. This is not a great team. It's a great collection of athletes, and maybe perhaps it's a turning point for them, right? But they have been very disjointed and kind of discombobulated most of the year. And I don't think this LSU offense is very good. And I, don't th- and I think Daniels is a guy, too. You're not going to be able to make a living in the SEC running as much as he does, as little as he is. At some point, the grind of the SEC schedule will be an issue for him. But, hey, you know what? They beat us. And I tipped the cap to that kid. I thought when the game was on the line, he played his best football. Because there was a time there we had the LSU fans booing Jaden Daniels on LSU. And, again, defense outstanding for three quarters. Absolutely outstanding. And, again, the damn burst there in the fourth. But uh, look at the numbers here. We ended up running for uh, 75 net. They ran for 207. And, of course, two of those big runs happened there in the fourth quarter. For the better part of three quarters, State had the LSU running game bottled up. Passing state throws for 214, LSU for 210. Not a great passing percentage for either. And a lot of those throws for both quarterbacks made under duress. Total offense, 289. That's one of those things that sticks out to me. We give up 417. We only put up 289. That's the thing to me. Again, this loss is on the offense. Yes, there were some special teams plays too. You missed the extra points, you muffed the punt. But this one's on the offense. State with six punts for a 44.7-yard average. LSU, six for 269, 44.8. Four of ours inside the 20, one for 50-plus. Kickoffs, we kicked off four times, three of them were touchbacks. LSU kicked off six times, three of them were touchbacks, and we got a couple of returns out of it too, and even though we nullified one with the, uh, with the holding call. Individually, let's look at some numbers here. 
Woody Marks runs for 50. Dylan Johnson runs for 50. So your running backs as a group run for 100 yards. Well, I guess Simeon Price lost three. That's about what we could expect. Passing game just simply wasn't where it needed to be. Rara, four for one for 67 and a touchdown. Caleb, four for 33. Tulu, three for 32. Dylan Johnson, five for 29. Rufus, three for 22. Wally, two for 16. We've got to get him more involved. Jamil Calvin, two for 15. And then Woody, one for nine. Malik Neighbors, LSU's leading receiver, six. Six catches for 76 yards. Five of those six, five of those six were possession plays. If I told you beginning of the year that we would hold Kayshawn Butte to three catches and 31 yards, you'd assume we won the football game. They did a great job against him. They were very efficient in what they did. Look at the running numbers. Jaden Daniels runs for 93. Armani Goodwin for 76. John Emery just 32. Josh Williams for seven, but it's a group, 207. And, again, a lot of that came in the fourth quarter. You know, Goodwin's 47-yard long run of the fourth quarter. That was a kill shot. Let's flip over defensive numbers here real quick before we get to the top ten list. There's so much of this, too. DeCamerion Richardson, 11 tackles. I talked about him on the, on the radio earlier today. I thought he was had an outstanding ball game. He's a Louisiana native. He was really good. Bookie Watson, 11 tackles. Had a sack, a pass breakup. Jet with eight tackles. Tyrus Wheat with six. Jackie Matthews with six. Colin Duncan with six. Nathan Pickering with five. Jalen Green with four, Randy Charlton with three. You can run on down the list and see for yourself. But, yeah, DeCamerion Richardson stepped up and played well. I don't think there's any doubt that this kid deserves to be the starter opposite Emmanuel Forbes. No question about it. Not to mention the fact that he's paired up with Keishon Butte a lot. And if you look, neighbors' big plays, again, came when they found a way to scheme that up to get him paired up with a safety. That's good offensive football. We've got to find a way to counteract that kind of moving forward. But um, that's kind of where we are. But uh, Jay Ward, the safety from LSU, we victimized him two years ago. They were ready to run him off. He had 11 tackles. And he had the pick, return of 18 yards. Micah Baskerfield for nine. You know, Major Burns with five. But Ojolari really impacted the game. Him and Harold Perkins, Jr., I thought were really the difference in this ball game for LSU. Ojolari with uh, two and a half tackles for loss, including one and a half sacks. They credited him with two quarterback hurries. And I don't know that that's being fair to him. It seemed like he was constantly in our backfield. Uh, so, so give them credit. They won, but at the end of the day, I think this boils down to Mississippi State's lack of execution. That's not in any way to dismiss the effort from LSU. I really thought they changed some things up with the defensive front and then their, and then their pass rush that confused us and gave us some trouble. But at the end of the day, if when we muff a punt at the 10 and we have six drops, half of them on third down conversion type plays, you're going to lose a ball game. You can't go on the road in the Southeastern Conference and make those kind of mistakes and expect to win. And, and again, a lot of these throws are made for both quarterbacks under duress. And listen, I'll tell you, Will didn't play well. He'll tell you the same. Will didn't play well. And some of that had to do with LSU. They sacked Will four times. We sacked Daniels three times. Simple as that. You know, the numbers between the two quarterbacks – are comparable. And the problem with that is, is that Daniels can tuck it and go. Will can't. In the framework of our offense, a, a dual-threat quarterback like Jaden Daniels should never have comparable passing numbers to Will Rogers because that's our entire offense, right? Will, Will's got there for like 400 yards, not 214. 
that I mean, it's, again, I'm not dumping on Will Rogers here, but Will, you know, Will, again, Will takes a lot of accountability. I think Will sometimes is too hard on himself. But you look at all these incompletions here, and again, you know, it's like, okay, you're 24 or 42. And some of those two were just passes under the rest. We had to get out of there to avoid a sack. But you got a half dozen or more drops. And again, can Will play better? Yes. But his receivers, when you get protection and he throws the ball accurately, you got to make the catch. You got to make the catch. Disappointing, to say the least, in the Bulldog offense. And uh, again, yeah, I think, again, our defense is kind of gassed down. But, you know, what, what happens if we don't muff that punt? What happens? Maybe having a different conversation today. Football's an emotional game. And at that point, Ole Miss had all the – Ole Miss. LSU had all the juice. Even though we had the lead, we've, it just felt like it was a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. In the fourth quarter, LSU – their running game against a very gassed defense, and now suddenly a spirited crowd took over the ball game. All right, time for today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's Blair Chandler. Here's the deal. If you're looking to refinance your home, and perhaps you are, Blair Chandler is your best option. There are a lot of people out there vying for your business. Blair is the guy that gets you closed. Top 1% close ratio in the country, back-to-back years. 21 years of experience. Closeofblair.com. Works with Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction with mortgage loan origination. Give Blair a call or text today at 601-500-2344 and tell him you heard about him on the boneyard. He'll pay for your appraisal. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage closed. Blair's going to save you some cash when it comes to all that. Hit him up. Again, closeofblair.com. You'd be glad you did. All right. Let's uh, jump into today's top ten list. So our friend William Nutt has been after me for a while to do a Muse list. Muse, a, a British band, a little different, right? They're kind of an alternative band, got some Depeche Mode elements to what they do. I like Muse. I'm not a huge fan, but I like Muse. Very familiar with the catalog, probably not. William says it's, you know, one of his favorite bands. So, William, thanks for the suggestion. Here are my top ten Muse songs. William, you may disagree. That's okay. When you get your show, you can put your own list together. Uh, Number ten for me is uh, the song Resistance. Resistance, very good song. Number nine, Feeling Good. This is one, too, that's kind of a, a mix between their two styles. Like, they, they became more of an electronic band about halfway through the catalog. I think this is a good mix, kind of true to the Muse sound. Number eight for me is the song Starlight. And I think the, the vocalist does a great job kind of using his falsetto on this one. Vocally, I think it's one of the shining moments in the catalog. Number seven, I love the guitar tone on this one. It's called Plug In, Baby, what, and what a great song for a rock song, right? This one is a little more rock alternative, but again, the guitar on this one's really good. Now, Madness is number six. This was a big hit for them, and it seemed like for a while this was kind of everywhere. It seemed like everywhere I went, and this was kind of a coming out party, I think. It's a big hit for them. Number five, another song with a great guitar tone. It's the track Psycho. I like this one an awful lot. A little more up-tempo, and again, the guitar kind of in your face. 
Number four, time is running out. That's a great one, too. And probably one, too, if you're unfamiliar with, maybe that's a good place to start. Number three, if you played rock band, you probably know this one. It's Knights of Sidonia. Got a really wild intro. A lot going on there. And then it basically gets into a very intricate guitar song. Number two, and some people would suggest this is the best song from Muse. Arguably their biggest hit. I dig it. I think you will too. And again, many of you may have this number one. I don't. It's number two for me, but it's Supermassive Black Hole. That's number two. And right now, William's thinking, what could be number one? Well, William, it's Uprising. I have always loved that song. It is a song of defiance. It is a song of, you know what? We're the underdogs and we're not going to go away. Derek Cody, a couple years ago, not a couple, my goodness, time gets away from us. When Derek Cody was doing the videos, the post-game videos, he used the song Uprising from Muse as the soundtrack to one of those Hell State highlight videos. It was an outstanding effort. Derek Cody did a great job for us. And uh, that's it. That's the top ten list. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let me know. And, again, I think you should give Muse a chance. You know, and, and maybe if you're one of those people, too, just kind of looking for something new and different, maybe this is the direction you go. Reach out to Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7 on Twitter and Spotify. And you can follow our great list there. Hit Roy up, give him your ideas, and he'll uh, put you on the list. And as William Nutt will tell you, it's taken me a little while to get to his list, but here we are. So, William, again, thanks so much for the suggestion. Thanks for listening, and thanks for contributing to the top ten list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. That's campusbookmart.net. If you haven't visited them, I encourage you to go by and check them out. Go and see their smiling faces. The bully shop now completely renovated. Everything is upstairs now, which has allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise. A lot of people make the claim they would be incorrect. Campus Bookmart, the biggest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe until we discover a planet, the big maroon planet out there of uh, Bulldogs. That's it. Visit them at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's, uh, let's look around the Southeastern Conference. Weekend went pretty much to script other than us uh, losing the ball game. But, again, that was always a toss-up. But uh, I didn't think there was going to be a lot of drama within the league, and there really wasn't. Georgia absolutely blasts South Carolina 48-7. to Georgia is the number one team in the country. And, again, South Carolina, I think last year was a bit of a fluke because they kind of caught you know, a couple teams that were down. I think this year, South Carolina is not going to sneak up on anybody this year. 48-7 winners, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Youngstown State made it interesting for a while, and Kentucky wins 31-0. I wouldn't say a very impressive win for, for Kentucky, but they take care of business there. Abilene Christian made a game of it with Missouri for a little while, 34-17 winners for the Tigers, and probably a little bit close for comfort for Tiger fans. I mean, Abilene Christian – it's an FCS school, and they go into your place and they put 17 points on you. Uh, Ole Miss, 42 winners over Georgia Tech. I expected Ole Miss to win that game handily. And I told you I didn't think Georgia Tech would score, could score. I thought they would score some. I didn't think they could score with Ole Miss. But uh, an impressive ball game uh, for the Rebels. And not that Georgia Tech is anything. I mean, Jeff, i got to have more than three wins a year. 
I think this will be the final year of the Jeff Collins era, and I think we all see that coming. And I'm disappointed because I wanted Jeff to do well, not just in this game. But, I mean, when Jeff got the head coaching job, Jeff is a guy that uh, is a really nice guy. I know he left us to go to Florida in the, quote, lateral move that uh, Dan Mullen talked about that created such controversy. But I really thought Jeff would do well. Did a good job at Temple. But for some reason, he has not been able to, to kind of get things going at Georgia Tech. And I know people say, well, it's a different recruiting environment there. But you mean to tell me you can't find some kids that can play in the suburbs of Atlanta? That makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm sure it doesn't make a lot of sense to Georgia Tech donors and administrators either. So I think it's pretty safe to say George, that uh, Jeff's not going to make it. But uh, I really wanted Jeff to do well. Penn State all over Auburn, 41-12. That game probably not as competitive as I expected it to be, but when you get quarterback play the way Auburn has, you're not going to win a lot of ball games. That's the thing you think about, too, with all these people leaving, Bo Nix leaves, and you, know, you go get T.J. Finley, you go get Zach Calzada. This is what you get. You struggle against a couple of non-conference opponents, and you get Penn State to come in there and they absolutely smash you. Auburn's not done losing, losing football games. Vanderbilt and Northern Illinois, we talked about this one. I told you that I thought that Northern Illinois would hang in there for a while and eventually the Vanderbilt athleticism would take over. Yes, the Vandy athleticism. Vanderbilt really takes charge there in the third quarter. At the break, it's 21-14 Northern Illinois. And then Vandy puts up 21 points there in the third quarter uh, to kind of remove you know, any, any trepidation. Fourth quarter, Northern Illinois had a chance to climb back in it. Only down a touchdown, and then Vandy makes the uh, the field goal there to, to, to make it a two-score game. So, strike up the Commodores, now three and one. And yes, yes, as so many of you reminded me, yes, when I was going through stats last week, Vanderbilt's played three games. So, I blew it. I admit it. I blew it. But yes, Vanderbilt has now played four games. Alabama's 63-7 winners over Louisiana Monroe. You expected that to be a bloodletting. It absolutely was. The Warhawks. Stan Humphreys in running out of that tunnel. All right, Missouri State made a game of it for a while. Bobby Petrino. And I even saw some comments on the Arkansas message boards. You know, some of their fans were, were concerned, and, and turns out rightfully so, about Missouri State. In the end, though, Arkansas's athleticism, the SEC strength and conditioning program, takes over in that fourth quarter. It was, what, 27-17, Missouri State? And then the Arkansas Razorbacks score 21 unanswered to win 38-27. Nice rally from the Hogs. And again, are they a top-10 team? I don't know. I like them a lot, though. I like their style of play. But uh, again... Give credit to some Arkansas fans, and maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's some of that's just, well, you know, we're playing Bobby. and But uh, give Petrino and those guys credit to come in there and play well for a, for a while, for three quarters. And for a while, it looked like Missouri State might pull off a massive upset. But they don't. Order's restored. Uh, Tennessee, 63-6 winners over the Akron Zips. Man, the, the, the Zip offense, really struggling. Now, you, you, you knew this game wasn't going to be competitive. You knew. You knew you knew, you knew it wasn't going to be competitive. But, uh, you know, the 
the Zips scored 30 against St. Francis PA and had to go to overtime to do that. Didn't score against Michigan State and then puts up six against Kentucky, against Tennessee. They'll get Liberty this weekend that uh, was in a barn burner of a game over the weekend. But the Zips, not putting up many points. All right, South Florida made a real game of it against Florida. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect Florida to win. I didn't think South Florida would be able to keep it close. They did. It's pretty crazy. South Florida led after one, seven to three. And at the break, it's all of a sudden a 24-13 game. And then South Florida wins the third quarter. And it's an impression. You start thinking, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen for them? It's now a a 24-21 game headed to the fourth quarter. The Bulls will then score a field goal of tying this ballgame. Florida gets it done. Wasn't pretty, but they got it done. Miami, we I felt like this was too much for them. I don't think the ACC is very strong anyway. Texas A&M wins an ugly game, 17-9. to And it's a good win for Jimbo and those guys too. Both teams now 2-1, but A&M 10-3 at the break. And then it's a 7-3 quarter for the Aggies there in the third. Really kind of removed all that. It was 17-6 headed to the fourth. And um, ends up being a 17-9 game. But, uh, you know, give the Aggie defense a lot of credit. Van Dyke from Miami threw for just 217 yards and right at 50% completion. Average completion was just over five yards. They didn't have a 100-yard rusher. Henry Paris Jr., former Ole Miss Rebel, ran for 85 yards. But, uh, again, yeah, hey, it's a good win for A&M. Real quickly, kind of looking ahead of the week, we talked about the good games this past week or two weeks ago. There will be some good ones this week, too, as a lot of teams get into conference play. But uh, Georgia, again, will get to pad the stats as they host Kent State. Missouri is at Auburn. That could be an awfully interesting game there. If it was at Missouri, I might be ready to just go ahead and pick the Tigers out right, right now, the, the Missouri Tigers. That's going to be an interesting game. With all these in-season fires we've already seen, you begin to wonder, like, if Missouri wins this ball game, does Brian Harson survive the season? Bowling Green, of course, at Mississippi State. Florida's at Tennessee. Tennessee a favorite in the game, as they should be. Tulsa is at Ole Miss. Of course, the Ole Miss non-conference schedule, not the strongest. This might be the most difficult non-conference game they played. Ole Miss now up to 16th in the rankings. Northern Illinois, who gave Vandy some fits, will be at Kentucky. I don't think that's going to be near the game it was a week ago, but still interesting. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, Kentucky, again, kind of riding the success of uh, last season, winning 10 games. Uh, probably the most intriguing game of the weekend, Arkansas and A&M getting together at Jerry World. That's going to be an interesting one there. Yeah, I think on first blush, I think you got to take the Razorbacks, right? They win an emotional game last week. A&M, of course, kind of won as a must-win game. That game at Jerry World has the last three years, four years, I guess, has been absolutely entertaining. I I hate giving up a home game, but they do a really good job with that game. And I think both teams have really played well uh, in that series as of late. But uh, that should be fun. That'll be a 6 p.m. kick. So we'll, and we get our game done. We're 11 a.m. kick. We can get home to watch. Uh, should be an interesting night of football around the country. Vanderbilt said Alabama. It seems like Vanderbilt 
you know, has played 100 games already, but um, this is one here that I think will be interesting to see how Alabama defenses Mike Wright. New Mexico is at LSU. Tigers should be 3-1. and one. Charlotte's at South Carolina. But, um, you know, we, we get this in non-conference stuff, but, again, the, the conference matchups this week are very intriguing. The Missouri at Auburn game, Florida and Tennessee, Arkansas at A&M. Those games, I think, will be a lot of fun. Uh, to kind of keep up with. And, of course, we'll get our game done. We can get home and enjoy some college football. Uh, I'm glad we're playing at 11. I know that that will hurt attendance in some respects, but uh, selfishly I'm looking forward to kind of sitting around with you guys and uh, getting on Twitter and discussing some of these games because we love college football, not just Mississippi State football. We love Mississippi State football the most, but we enjoy college football. And it's nice to be able to have a day to kind of sit around and enjoy some games uh, and hopefully State wins this game handily when we get on out of here and uh, State move on to 3-1. and one. Pretty crucial stretch coming up for the Bulldogs. You know, the, kind of a defining stretch in our season. So we need to go out and take care of business. Of course, we'll preview Bowling Green uh, at length on Wednesday. And maybe you haven't kept up with those guys this year. But the um, they beat Marshall in overtime last week to get their first win of the season. And every other game has been a blowout. I say a blowout, excuse me. Uh, they lose at UCLA 45-17. They lose a barn burner to Eastern Kentucky 59-57. And then they win 34-31. So defense has kind of been optional for these guys. They're now 1-2 and two in the MAC. You remember we played these guys under Dan Mullen. And, and I like MAC football too. It's, but it's, it's kind of rare for the MAC, you know, to really compete in the Southeastern Conference. And you would begin to think that maybe, you know, Teams like Kentucky and Tennessee would play these teams a little more often. Um, we have played Bowling Green just the one time, and that was back in 2013. We win the game 21-20. So, in no way whatsoever was it a very comfortable game. Had to have that one to get in the ball game that year, if you recall. Very difficult year for us. We went 4-6 uh, and six and had to win the last two. That's the Nico Woodley year, right? That's Nico stripping the football against Arkansas and stripping the football against Bo Wallace to save the season. So, you know, we should win the game handily, but by it's no stretch for us to come out here and say, you know what, we go out there and we sleepwalk through this thing, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot closer than it should be. But, again, excited to have you guys back on campus, excited to have you guys as part of uh, our Mississippi State family. And we need to go out there and kind of exercise some demons. You know, State's favored by 32 in this ballgame. We need to go out there and win this game going away and really get some continuity on offense. Because you know, even though we won those first two games handily, I mean, it, it, none of them were an offensive masterpiece. We need this one to be an offensive masterpiece. We need to go out there, play within ourselves, play within the framework of the offense, and just use our athletes to go win the game. And this is a game, too, that you need to get deep into the depth chart, get other guys some reps. Hopefully we'll see Sawyer Robertson extensively in the second half. But we need to put this game away pretty early in the third quarter and be able to get down the depth chart and save some guys some wear and tear, but also to get some meaningful reps, you know, for other players. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen Justin Robinson much. And I was a guy, too. We went out and got him. We we're expecting to see more of him. And the only game we've seen him in, of course, was, uh, you know, Memphis. Score the touchdown late. We got to get these guys going. And that's the thing I think about, too, when you're Mike Leach, when you have committed so many scholarship spots to uh, – wide receivers. If you got guys that aren't catching the football, they need to put somebody else in the ball game. And Mike doesn't need me to tell him that. You know, that guy's been around forever and a day. So, again, we need to get on track this week and kind of get everything rolling. 
get out of the game injury-free. And, again, we'll take a longer look at the Bowling Green Falcons on Wednesday. And uh, if, if you're in town, please come by and check us out. Now, next weekend will be Rock Vegas. That's a Friday before the A&M game. You can get your tickets through Eventbrite, and it, it's on all, all my social media. Right, you can just go Google Rock Vegas Lillian Axe, and of course uh, we'll have a couple of up and coming Mississippi bands that'll be on the venue, on the bill at the venue as well. We're downtown, Hobie's on Main, downstairs in the Old State Palace Theater. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a great night. Heard from Stevie Blaze earlier today about times. You know they got a lot of people making the trip up from Louisiana to come watch the show. Want to know what time? You know set times are and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're still figuring all that stuff out. You know, we're, we're good to go. Uh, but I, listen, I'm going to encourage you guys about tickets. We have, um, I guess we're about 100 tickets left. And I want to sell them all. And I want to sell them all, not just because of the fact that uh, I think Lily and Axe and these bands deserve it, but all the money goes to our Bulldog Initiative. And I say that, I said this earlier in the show. People are always saying, well, you know, Steve, I'm not real big on NIL. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're big on it or not. It's here, and it's a factor. And so I need you to buy tickets. I need, I need this show to be a sellout. And, and that's the thing I think about, too. Like, we had an Ole Miss guy kind of, kind of poke fun at us earlier on Twitter. And he goes, hey, you guys are so far behind an NIL, Steve's going to have to throw a bunch of concerts. Well, I'm willing to do that. And I joked around. I said, I'll bring in Led Zeppelin if that's what we have to do. But I need you to do your part, too. Whether you want to come to the show or not, I need you to buy tickets. I need you to help support Mississippi State's NIL efforts. It's as simple as that. Our NIL efforts are in good shape. And listen, I think about Charlie Winfield all the time. I I wonder at times how much money Charlie is losing by manning up and kind of running our NIL initiative. Because, I mean, it should be a full-time job for somebody else. But now we've got a guy that's a, a successful attorney, number one, which is a good thing because it's helping us navigate through this to ensure that everything is above board. But the reality of it is, is this is a guy, too, that is, again, a successful law practice. And every time I turn around, Charlie is in a plane somewhere going to talk to somebody about contributing to our NIL efforts. And I'm very grateful for Charlie, and I'm happy to partner with him. And so I put this event together to kind of give these guys some money to work with. And so I need you to help me sell out this show. And to be quite honest with you, the fact that we're less than two weeks away from the show and we haven't sold out the show yet is a disappointment to me. And it's not a disappointment because of the venue or because of the bands or because of my own efforts. I'm disappointed that we have so many people kind of reluctant to get involved. And so I can kind of see how Charlie feels. And even though he's not expressed that frustration to me, I I can see it. You know, it's like this is a guy that is giving of his own time, giving of his own efforts, using his skills for the betterment of Mississippi State, and we have so many people that are kind of reluctant. And so I came along and put this event together to make it easy. You know, you don't have to be some fat cat big donor that writes a six-figure check. You can just go buy a couple $40 tickets, and if you want to come to the show, great. And if you don't, then um, let me know. Send the tickets to me. I'll get them in the hands of some Mississippi State students. And so what could be easier? And that's the thing. Again, we're doing well. We're selling a lot of tickets, and, and I do believe that we will sell out at maybe the day of the show. But the fact that I'm still here having to beg for, for ticket sales is, um, is a little frustrating, to be quite honest with you. Just kind of lay it on the line here. Uh, I, I really thought, you know, we had a huge day when the thing opened up, and we sold all the mezzanine-level tickets right out of the gate within about an hour. 
And then uh, had a good second day. And then, of course, we had a good day last week shortly after Stevie Blaze put the video out there. And Cal Brown, our friend at Start With Daily News, wrote that wonderful article and put it on the front page of the paper. And so there's a lot of people out here that are pulling in one direction to make sure, number one, that we bring a great show and we have a lot of fun, but we also raise money for the betterment of our student athletes. And so, again, I say, if you're, if you're a hot take person and you're out there and it's like, hey, I'm complaining about fire this guy, fire that guy, whatever, um, how are you contributing to the solution? I'm not going to sit here and, and debate the merits of your opinion because you're certainly entitled to that. I'm not going to sit here and say that I've got the corner of the market on good ideas. But my question to you is, is what are you doing to be solution-oriented? How are you helping a situation? Other than getting out there and being negative. And I'll tell you this, too, and you, and, you, and you can make of this what you will. I've had multiple coaches in multiple sports on this campus tell me that when they have – they'll tell recruits, hey, we have the best fans in the country. And then other schools will walk in there with a packet – with message board posts and tweets and things like that from some of the, quote, best fans in the country. You know, and so what my hope is is we can all just kind of pull the rope in the same direction. And so let's get involved with the initiative. Let's buy some concert tickets. And uh, I want to do more events like this, but I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. It's taken up so much of my time, and I've contributed so much of my own money to this. You know, we, I've got to make sure that we have partners in this. And I don't just mean sponsorship. I mean all of you. I need you guys to contribute to this. If you want to have other shows, and maybe you're not a big Lillian Axe fan. Maybe you're not as big a metal fan as me. You know, maybe you need somebody that's a little more rock radio friendly. Cool. That's going to cost me a little more money next time. And we're going to do another show. But if you want these events to continue, if you want these opportunities uh, for us to raise money for NIL to continue, then I need your help. And that's as impassioned a plea as I can make about this. Again, Hey, you know, we're doing well with season tickets. I mean, excuse me, with concert tickets. But I really thought by now we'd be sold out. And here we are now, you know, 11 days from the show, and uh, got still over 100 tickets left. And so I need those tickets bought. I, I do. Uh, I'm having to pay for a lot of things, you know, because there's always another check to write. It's like you get a little bit closer. Oh, we didn't think about this. We think, and there's nobody stepping up saying, hey, Steve, hey, let me pay for this for you because you don't know about it. And so I'm just paying for it. I'm just I'm writing the check myself, and I'm paying for it. I'm making sure it gets taken care of because it's important to me. It's what I feel is my contribution to Mississippi State's NIL efforts. And so, again, I, I need your help. That's as honest as I can be, but I need your help because, I, you know, I want to be able to go to people next year and say, hey, you know what? We had Rock Vegas 2022, and we sold it out. So we want to have a bigger venue. We're going to have a bigger band. We're going to have to raise more money. We're going to have to have a bigger commitment, and we're going to get a bigger purse. And so I've already talked to two national recording artists, two that are interested in playing Rock Vegas 23 as a headliner, but it's going to cost a lot more money. And so in order for us to get that done, I need you. Simple as that. A lot of people are scared of NIL. They don't know what to do. I'm making it very, very easy for you to get involved. All you got to do is go to eventbrite.com, search for Rock Vegas, buy some concert tickets, and then you have contributed to NIL. I'm not making a nickel from this, not one nickel. Absolutely not. All proceeds from all ticket sales and Rock Vegas merchandising sales go directly to the Bulldog Initiative. Every dime. I don't keep any of it. It doesn't even go through my hands. Right now, if you go buy the tickets, it goes into an, an, basically an escrow account. And after the show is over, then all that money is transferred directly to Bulldog Initiative. It's a simple, it, it couldn't be easier. And so I'm making it easy for you. And so again, we're doing well, but I want to sell them all. And, and I, to be honest with you, I'll consider it a personal failure if we don't. 
because I, I've put so much time and effort into this and, uh, and of my own money, too, to ensure that we have a great show and that we do a lot to re-energize the rock scene in Mississippi. I went and saw four-way stop on Saturday, on Friday night down in Baton Rouge. They played down at the Revelry. Told you guys I was going. Incredibly impressed. I loved their original stuff. Had a chance to visit with uh, with the band afterwards. They were very appreciative that I came. And uh, we're going to do some more stuff at four-way stop because I think those guys are really going somewhere. And so I have now seen Twist. I have now seen four-way stop. And I've seen Lily and all within the last month. And I am extremely excited about the show. So if you like rock and roll, and it doesn't matter, you know, your taste. You know, Four-Way Stop is basically a southern rock band. Twist is more of a progressive modern-day rock band. Got a little punk elements in them. And, of course, Lillian Axe. You know, they're a metal band, but uh, little, become a little more progressive as well. And so we've got something that will suit your fancy, no matter what. But even if we don't, you should support the event because it supports Mississippi State. All right, final segment of the show brought up to you by Portico. They're also sponsors of Rock Vegas, and I appreciate them for basically anytime that I have anything going on, my friends at Portico, they're always there when I need them. And uh, I wish I could pay them back by, uh, you know, helping them sell out their uh, residential development out there, right? So be sure when you're in town, go by and see it. Maybe you've always thought about moving back to Starkville or having a place here in Starkville. Portico is the way to go. 1.1 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. What could be easier than that? And it's tucked away in a neighborhood, so you're not all out there in the hustle and bustle. You're just right there for convenience sake. But you also have some peace and quiet of being in a neighborhood. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. It's very conveniently located off 82. You turn on 12, like going to campus. The very first road is Pat Station Road. You go to the four-way stop, boom, there's Portico on the right. That's how close it is. If you need information, I'm sure you do. Call Brooks Bryan, our friend, at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog. And I hate to even use that label because I think it's a lifelong designation. Brooks, part of two great Omaha teams. A guy that's committed to making Mississippi State and Starkville the best place it can possibly be. So if your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico to you, maybe you should ask why. But contact Brooks. He can get you all the information you need. I encourage you. Go check out Portico, whether it be your ballgame weekend retreat, your primary residence, perhaps your future retirement home. You've got a place and a plan that fits your needs. Make Portico your next move. Quick programming note, too, in case you haven't heard, uh, Mississippi State's game against Texas A&M will be a 3 p.m. kickoff. I was hoping for a night game, but 3 p.m. kickoff. So come rock out with us at Rock Vegas, and then you'll have the afternoon to go watch the Bulldogs play. So 3 p.m. kickoff against Texas A&M. That's just announced here moments ago. Okay, over the weekend, Mississippi State played uh, a couple of college baseball scrimmages, and uh, our friend Mike Nemeth was there to cover the event. Just want to give you a couple things. Uh, some big games, some big moments, I guess, and uh, pr- pretty good. Pretty good numbers here, too. And you, you never know what to, to, to gauge when it comes to an inter-squad scrimmage because you say, hey, Either our guys can really pitch or our guys can't hit or our guys can hit and our pitchers can't, can't get it done. But, um, but uh, you can feed, see that coverage over at jeanspage.com. But um, let me give you a couple notes and, that uh, Mike dug up. And, uh, you know, we were so grateful that uh, we have a, a big enough staff. Mike was there to kind of handle that while we uh, went down to cover LSU and Mississippi State's game. 
so I share that. Um, so if I can find some numbers here, here we go. Okay, so kind of under trying to get the format down here. So uh, let's see, Dave Mershon, freshman shortstop, went two for four with a couple of RBI. Um, Slate offered one for five. Bryce Chance, one for five. Ryan Williams, one for four with a couple runs scored. Will Hold, the fourth, one for four with an RBI. Casey Hunt went two innings pitch, allowed uh, four hits, an earned run, three Ks, a couple walks. Bradley Lofton, really excited about him. Goes two innings pitch, allows a hit, walks two, strikes out two. Uh, Gerangelo Sagente, two innings pitched, no hits, no runs, but did have four walks and two Ks. You expect freshmen to have some control issues. Austin Tomasini, one inning pitch, one hit, one run, three walks, no Ks. And again, that's the young guys. Colby Holcomb. Uh, our junior college transfer, two innings pitch, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, one K. Uh, just kind of looking at stuff here. KC was 91-93 with the fastball, 83-86 with the breaking ball, 77-79 with a change. Lofton, 94-95. That's awfully swift from the left-hand side, 84-86 with the breaking ball. Um, so a couple nice comments you can go see there. And then the black team numbers, uh, Ar- Armani Larry, uh, three for four. That's not right. 0 for 4 with three runs scored. This format is kind of interesting. i got to work with this to make sure this looks a little more presentable. All right, so Luke Hancock. Looks like Luke was uh, 3 for 4. I can't make heads or tails of this, guys. I'm I'm not going to run through this. But but here's some numbers, too, on your pitchers. Pico Conn was 88-89 fastball, 75-80 on a breaking ball, 76-78 were to change. Evan Sierra, 89-90 on the fastball, 72-79 with the breaking ball, 75-79 with the change. Uh, Davis, 88-91 on the fastball, 79-81 breaking ball, 80-84 change. And uh, Tapper, 88-90 on the fastball, 76-77 on the breaking ball, 77-80 on the change. So, so you guys are out there and they're working hard. And, uh, you know, now you may have heard, too, they have uh, – made some changes to the SEC baseball schedule. They figured out that uh, – now, again, I'm getting this secondhand, okay? So they put the schedule out there. The SEC rotation was wrong by a year. So rather than it being the 2023 schedule rotation, they put out the 2024. So you had Tennessee and Arkansas not playing head-to-head for back-to-back years. Well, that shouldn't happen. And Mississippi State, we need those guys to play head-to-head, right? We need them to go split a series no matter who wins because that way somebody takes a loss no matter how it works out. And so those are two teams, obviously, that we'll be chasing, you know, in the hosting and top eight national seed type stuff. And so we need those teams to play. So everything we talked about last week could be changing. Now, the one thing that I'm told is, is likely not to change is that Ole Miss comes in for Super Bulldog weekend. Now, I understand that's one thing that we'll probably really fight to keep. And, and, you know, that's a team we play every year anyway. So they should be able if, – if that's the one thing we have to have, then we're okay with that. Okay, it's their year to come here, so we're going to have that here. And, again, there's so much of this, too, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and listen, if I'm Greg Sankey, I'm absolutely furious because kind of like uh, as George Steinsbrenner said on, uh, on Seinfeld, chaos doesn't work for the New York Yankees. Chaos doesn't work for Greg Sankey. Not in, in the SEC. We, we pride ourselves on being the best sports conference in the country. 
And to have something like this happen is very embarrassing for the league and I'm sure for Greg Sankey and I'm sure somebody somewhere uh, has had to pay handsomely for this. And so I share that because I think it's important for people to fully appreciate that um, this is not something that, that reflects well in the league. It's a small thing. But the fact that we're having to go back and refigure this thing out is not, it's not good. You know, good, I hope you guys hadn't booked hotel rooms yet. You know, so just give it a little time. They'll revise the schedule, and uh, we'll get it out. And that's what I understand as well. So just kind of hang loose here for a few minutes, and uh, they'll get you taken care of. But uh, it is embarrassing. It is. And, and especially, you know, I start planning these trips in my mind. I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going here. I'm going there. Uh, but for some of you, it's a much bigger undertaking. You know, I, I live here, right? And so you know how ball game weekends are. Sometimes it's difficult to get a place to stay. Really difficult during football. But in, in baseball, sometimes, you know, the, you know, maybe your premium places, you're thinking, okay, I want to make my reservation. So uh, they'll get that figured out. And so, again, I'm excited about baseball. And uh, I'm excited about football, too. I know some other people are like, oh, I'm already ready for baseball. I'm, I'm not. I mean, come on. These baseball guys need some time to practice. We're going to win some football games, too. And, and again, I, the thing that I caution people with, and I, I try to be the voice of reason, even, though if, even if we don't agree, I still respect your opinion. And there are some people that are just so completely off the Mike Leach bandwagon because they were never truly on it. It's like, it's like they're just waiting to pounce. And, again, I don't see anything wrong with our offensive scheme other than we do need to execute it at a higher level. But the, the reality of it is, and I want to share this with you too, in our final moments together, I have seen this, uh, this revisionist history about Dan Mullen more times than I can count. And uh, I just want to get this out there because some of the same people that are saying, man, can we get Mullen back are the same people that wanted him gone. Now, do you know what Mike Leach, excuse me, do you know what Dan Mullen's record was against Alabama when he was here at Mississippi State? Do you, do you recall? It was 0-9. Do you know what Mike Leach's, excuse me, I'm, I got Mike Leach on the brain. Do you know what Dan Mullen's record was against LSU when he was here? You want to take a stab at it? It might shock you. It was two and seven. Two and seven. And it took the most iconic player in school history to win in 14 in Tiger Stadium, our first win in Baton Rouge since 1991, when Sleepy and William Prince and those guys came off a bye week and ran a triple option all over those guys. Curly Hallman, kind of the end of the era down there. And then we went beat them in 17 up here when Nick Fitzgerald and those guys, uh, Keith Mixon, just absolutely destroyed them. Great game by our defense. That's it. That's the only two wins in Dan Mullen's tenure at Mississippi State we beat LSU. Now, you could argue we probably should have won some more games against LSU, and I would agree with you. But we didn't. We didn't. We should have beat them in 2009 if we could make a tackle on special teams. We do. If we can make a pitch, we do. And the fact that we were even close in that ball game was a testament to Dan Mullen. But the reality of it is, it was another loss. Dan Mullen loses to LSU 30 to 26, then 29 to 7, then 19 to 6, then 37 to 17, then 59 to 26. And that was 13. That was the year before the DAC coming out party. And we win there. Then we lose at our place in 15, 21 19. You remember Dan Mullen, too? Uh, as we're getting ready to, to set up a uh, potential game-winning field goal, we take a delay a game penalty. 
2016, we lose 23 to 20. We win in 17. And then, of course, Jim Moorhead takes over. Uh, so, again, there's your two wins for Dan Mullen against LSU. You said, but Steve, no, no, there's no, I mean, there's no buts. I mean, let, let's make sure we're judging Mike Leach by the same, you know, scales of justice we're doing Dan Mullen. If we're going to romanticize all this, let's make sure we're doing it with facts. Let's take a look. What was you say, but Steve, I know that Dan Mullen kind of moved ahead of Auburn. You know what? So let's, uh, let's run through that too. Dan Mullen got here in 2009. And he went three and six against Auburn. No, yes. 2009, we go down there. And remember, we blocked the punt. We had Robert Elliott ran it back. We had the lead, and then we lose 49-24. The next year, we lose 20-10. to That's the Cam Newton year, a game we should have won. 2011, we lose 41-34. We go over there, and they stop Chris Ruff at the goal line. 2012, we beat them 28-10 at our place. Tyler Russell with a big game. We go back to their place and lose 24-20. We beat them at our place, 38-23 and 14. Of course, that's the game that sends us to number one. The next year, we go over there, Dak senior year, beat them 17-9. They didn't have a quarterback. In 16, they destroy us 38-14. In 17, we go over there, and everybody was thinking we were one of the better teams in the country, and we get beat 49-10. And then Dan Mullen leaves. So you look at the teams in our and, and you know, we're going to have to play every year, you know, in the West, and it's like, Sometimes we forget. You know, it's kind of like that ex-girlfriend of yours. You for, you forget why you broke up with her, and it's like, you know what? I could have put up with all that. And you're like, no, 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 I couldn't. You know, Texas A&M joined the league in 2012. You know, Dan, Dan actually did decent against them. You know, they beat us 38-13 in the We Believe year. They beat us 51-41 the next year. We get them at our place 48-31 and 14. Big game for us. In 15, we go to College Station. They get us. And then, you know, we won the last three. Of course, uh, you know, Dan did a good job against those guys post-Johnny Manziel. But outside of that, you know, not quite so much. You know, Dak had a good run against Arkansas. And for that matter, Joe Moorhead had a good run against Arkansas. But I think sometimes we forget. Again, we have this revisionist history. You know, Dan's first year, we lose to Arkansas 42-21. We lose the next one 38-31. Then we lose 44-17. Then we win the next four. We win the DAC years. And then we lose in 16. That's the year we had Sermonitis. And then we win the last year with Mullen. So you're decent. But it's like, let's just kind of call it what it is. You know, Dan was a guy that won the games he was supposed to win with rare exception. Of course, the South Alabama game, that's the bad non-conference loss. But it was always such an up-and-down thing. And I'm not in any way being disrespectful to Dan Mullen. I'm very appreciative of the things he did here at Mississippi State. But you think all of a sudden we're going to go back, run the zone read, spread option option offense against the defenses of today? I mean, I don't know what happened in Florida. I don't. But I know even with Florida-level talent, Dan Mullen wasn't able to win the SEC. And so it's like, well, Steve, you know, we went seven, eight wins under Dan Mullen. Well, we're basically doing the same thing with Mike Leach. 
And so I, I just say that because I think let's let's make sure let's focus on who we are and where we're going rather than where we've been. And, and that's the thing too. I, I heard all these stories too about Dan and Megan Mullen after they were gone. A lot of people are like, oh, well, there was this and there was that and there was this and I didn't like this and this person was rude. You know, I, I don't I don't need Dan to to run the chamber of commerce, right? I just need Dan to win football games. Same way I see Mike Leach, and Mike Leach is a lot more plugged in our community. Mike Leach is out a lot more. You can see Mike go get a plate lunch. You can see Mike go see some live music. You can see Mike visit with our fans. And so I say this, it's so easy when we have a loss like this, and even though many people expected us to lose to LSU, and it's, that's what irritates me so much is we had a chance. We were finally starting to get some national praise, and Will Rogers was people like, oh, he's the most underappreciated quarterback in the country. And we had a golden opportunity to change the perception of our program and our season, and we blew it. We blew it. Now you got to go in the next three. And so that's what's so frustrating for me. The beginning of the year, I said, you know what, we're going to lose at LSU. A lot of our fans are like, ah, oh, we got a chance to get out and win. You know what? Then I talked myself into it after watching them lose to Florida State. And then we lost. But it's a game we should have won. There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So now that's behind us. We'll have uh, Mike Leach this afternoon, and then we'll get ready for Bowling Green. A game that we need to go out there and handle. We need to go out there and play efficiently and get deep into the roster and, uh, and win this game handily. We don't need this game to be in question in the second half. And then we go get ready for Texas A&M. Again, it's a 3 p.m. kick the day after Rock Vegas. Get on board. I'm telling you, I'm all in with Rock Vegas, with NIL, with Mississippi State. I need you to join me. I need you to partner with us to make sure these things happen. So, again, just over 100 tickets left, and I need you guys to buy those tickets. I I do. I absolutely – again, my impassioned plea to you is buy these tickets because there are so many people, I can tell you, that are involved with our NIL efforts. They're like, you know what? We're trying to do something super cool here to promote awareness. We need fans to get on board. And so I ask you, as your friend, as your good friend and host, I don't care if it's one ticket – or 10 tickets. I had somebody the other day bought, bought, bought 20 tickets and said, hey, Steve, give these to students. That's an awfully generous donation. It is. And I'm not asking, hey, if you can buy 20, beautiful. But if you can't, anything that you do, any ticket sold is important. And any ticket, again, helps our NIL effort. So, again, I ask you, this is not a vanity project in any way. This is about Mississippi State. And I need you to step up and help me here. I need you to match my energy if you can. That's it for today. Go to dogpilethebook.com and you can pick up uh, all of my sports books there. It's Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Blooms of Oleander, of course, available through Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, booksandmegan.com. Stark Villains gear. My friend Johnny Hayes tweeted out a shirt the other day. He just got one. You can go to starkvillains.com and order yourself some Stark Villains gear. Pretty awesome stuff. Go to jeanspage.com, subscribe, and uh, if you don't want to subscribe, you can still follow us on our Facebook page and uh, get all of our free content. Right? We don't put any VIP content on a Facebook page. Be sure and check us out. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.